Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Eagle Nation. Appreciate you streaming in with us early. You got Mac and Mac, Johnny McBone, Jody McDonald hanging with you. Uh, yes, it is the final day of May, but it is the first day of OTAs. It's a good day if you're an Eagle fan because you know your birds were out there actually working together as a team. For how long or how much they accomplished, nobody really knows. But we do know they were together as a team yesterday, John McBone. So the first game of the season is right around the corner, right? 99 days. Well, 99 days to the start of the season. I don't know how they do that Thursday, I assume, the Thursday game. So we're 99 days away. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Eagles started uh, on-field OTAs yesterday. Now they're off today. Um, And then Thursday will be the open practice to reporters um, Friday They'll do another OTA that's closed. Uh, then next week they have three more, and then that's it. That's it to training camp. One of those next week will be open to reporters as well. Um, and that's it. Um, you can have 10. Uh, you're allowed 10 under the CBA, plus three days of mandatory minicamp. So if you think about it that way, 
50 per over 50% of their on-field time is left unused. Um, hard to argue with them after what happened last season. Um, so give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, uh, the Athletic did a big piece on Aaron Rodgers moving to the Jets, and I, I kind of chuckled. I was reading it this morning. He was talking about off-season work. <laughs> he used the term uh, nominal uh, uh, at, at best uh, for anything you can get accomplished. Uh, for years, Aaron didn't go to off-season work in Green Bay, won MVPs. Um, only when things went off the rails did it become a problem. Obviously, he's with the Jets. He'll be there. He was. He's been there this year a little bit uh, with a new team. I guarantee he won't be there next year. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal for the veterans, but I do think, as I mentioned yesterday, it's a big deal for the for the younger players. And uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Fifty over fifty percent. When I thought about that yesterday, I'm like, eh, you know, that's that's bold. Yeah, that's, that's bold. That that's not less is more. That's just less. Um, and the weeks of mandatory minicamps when the other teams around the National Football League are actually getting in significant work, and the Eagles are not. Uh, do you expect Eagles guys to just be coming in and working out? It's certainly not mandatory, but the facilities are always open i believe jalen hurts lives there or at least that's the way sometimes the coaching staff makes it sound um when they first decided there was going to be no mandatory minicamp they still did get a pretty good turnout of players who at least showed up to the facilities what do you expect to happen that week is it just going to be a ghost town uh because hey we won the super bowl we don't have to show it we'll be rookies only how do you think that week would go what what do you what do you mean the week after uh otas yeah um, well the, you're not allowed to do anything i mean the, everybody's a ghost town at that point. well the week the week that other teams will be having mandatory minicamps which oh yeah it'll Eagles be a ghost town no i mean for the most part guys will go home wherever they live now the ones that live here yeah they can come in the building and work out but they can't do anything with the coaches or anything on the field or any contact whatsoever so just you well, know, they could own. if it was mandatory minicamp week. Well, they could. The choice they, of the Philadelphia Eagles that they're not making it mandatory. But anybody can come in and say, I want to work out, I want to talk to the coach. If it's a league-allowed week, then they could come in and do it. Their Eagles are just saying we're not making it mandatory. For yeah, they are, they, they, they've already said they're not having a mandatory minicamp. So there's no... You know, they're not going to change their mind. There's no mandatory aspect to their entire offseason. I mean, that's goes back to the pandemic and how they decided to to reshape things. And uh, again, it, I, it, part of it was out of necessity in Nick Sirianni's first year, but they liked the way it worked out uh, and they did away with it. And yeah, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna have them saying, "Oh, you know, we didn't get what we got accomplished," and say, "All right, all of a sudden it's going to be mandatory and guys are demanded to come in." I mean, guys, June eighth is the last day. The vast majority of players live outside the Delaware Valley. The ones that do live here will will stick around. Obviously, for the most part, they might go on vacations. Um, a lot of players have their own personal. 
uh, coaches and, and, and things they help with and places they work out with and, and they'll do it that way. But yeah, June 8th is the last day for the Eagles. Right. Uh, and that comes after June 1st, which is tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And you and I have talked about it several times during the offseason. The June 1st still does have an influence in the National Football League. Not as much as it did years prior when they had uh, that as a hard and fast deadline for players released and how uh, dead cap money would be handled if they had uh, money left on their cap. You can now use a first June 1st designation. And I think teams actually try and use it for two reasons. Number one, yeah, they can spread out the cap hit that they're going to take over two years. And if that's better for you, you want to do that. And you also want to give, if he was a good soldier and a, a player that you're just not counting on and uh, doesn't factor in your plans, give as much time as possible on the open market. That's for relief players. Traded players, yeah, if you want to spread the cap hit out over two years, you have to wait till June 1st. You can't make a trade with a June 1st designation. So it has a more hard and fast effect on, on cap stuff as of June 1st. Did the Eagles have anybody that would fit into a category where you'd say, yeah, if they're going to trade them, they'd probably want to hold till June 1st because lessening the cap hit is a key aspect of a potential trade? Yeah, Derek Barnett's the only one. Um, you know, it it, it lessens uh, the hit this year. Um, but I don't think they're in the market to trade them just yet. I think they're going to wait um, until somebody has a need uh, to sort of increase that value. And, and part of it is insurance policy. You never know if somebody gets hurt. But right now... Um, He's the fifth uh, edge rusher on this particular team, and that's not going to get a lot of, of, of run. And I do think, and I can already prepare for your rolled eyes, I think he's got some value. And by value, I mean, you know, remember, people thought the Eagles couldn't get anything for Jalen Rager. Uh, he's got more value than Jalen Rager. Um, a, it's a position that people want. Um they need uh, edge rushers, very important. A lot of teams don't have <laughs> the edge rushing ability the Eagles have. So I think part of it is, um, you know, people have gotten a little spoiled uh, because the Eagles have so many good edge rushers, um, at least in, in this market. So there will be a lot of teams uh, making phone calls uh, for Derek Barnett, and I think Howie is savvy enough to – to, to turn that around and get something for them. Or if they need them, they need them. Like I said, you, this can go all the way into August. If, if somebody gets hurt in preseason, he might be all of a sudden back in the picture. So my point is, June 1st, June 2nd, they don't have to go out and trade Derek Barnett. They can wait. They could slow play it, and I think they'll slow play it. Okay, so uh, as a safety net, I see what you're talking about. If uh, uh, Son Reddick... Uh, turns uh, an ankle yeah guess what uh, chances are Derek Barnett's going to stick around but the Eagles are doing less than basically every other team in the National Football League last year they were one of the least injury affected teams in the league facts are facts and if we disagree agree 
kind of roll our eyes about how little they're doing in comparison to the other teams around the league. They ain't just go, yeah, and check the injury report. <laughs> and you got to give them their props because they're right. The Eagles weren't that hurt. So the whole uh, safety net aspect of it, well, if the Eagles players are getting hurt, not doing much work, then that that's not a good sign. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't think much of his game. I know that he's a hard worker and the Eagles like him. Well, uh, that's a, a selling point that they can try and get with another team when they have a conversation with him, how good a worker he is and how much uh, he puts in on a dedication scale. I, I don't know that that's going to move the needle. Um, I'm thinking. Oh, they'll get something for him. Uh, it, it'll be a day three pick. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, they might be able to, again, I go back to Jalen Rager. People say, give him away for a pair of footballs. Well, you got two picks for Jalen Rager. Um, you got two picks, rounder, but you had to give and, up a, you had to give up a pick too, pick. right? Yeah, and they might have to, they might do it that way. They might get a pick and they might move up in another round, give a pick back, do something like that nature. But I guarantee you this, if they trade Derek Barnett, if they trade him, one, you got to trade him. They'll get something for him. They're not just releasing him. They'll get something for him. This is a valued position in the NFL. And most teams, most teams, I would say, well, more than half of the teams need help at edge rusher. So, Again, when you talk about the Eagles and you have Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham and they have a, a, a an upside like Nolan Smith added to the equation, that's rare. There aren't a lot of teams that that can move that can boast that on the edge. Uh, there are there will be plenty of teams who will be calling about Derek Barnett if the Eagles make it known. Mid-August, late August, he's not going to play here. They know he's going to. This is his last year. You might as well get something for him. That type of situation. You know, again, maybe a fifth-round pick, maybe a seventh-round pick, like Jalen Rager, and maybe move. You're just with one of them. You're just gaining draft capital, a little space uh, in the draft, moving up 10, 15 spots, whatever. But they'll get something for him. They got something for Matt Pryor. I go through this every year, Jody. They got something for Jalen Rager. They will get something for Derek Barnett if they want to trade. We'll see. Yeah, you're you've got a higher valuation of the player than than I do. I think that the rest of the league will look at the Eagles as a position where their hand's going to be forced, and they'll end up uh, releasing him rather than getting anything for him. I think someone will give him another shot. I don't think Derek Barnett will be released. And not signed by another team. I think someone will hop in and and give him a, a veteran minimum contract. But uh, I, I don't know that anyone will trade for him. I think they'll dare the Eagles to keep him on their roster and wait to swoop in and uh, pick him up off the waiver wire when he gets there. All right. Uh, and, yes, you're going down to check out the Eagles for the first time uh, in a complete team setting tomorrow. And, yeah, we'll find out exactly how much they're doing. Uh, how much do they do? If you remember back to last year and your previous years, well, the only years I think the counter Sirianni years. So the last two practices, first team organized practices that you guys had access to, 
I want to say do it special teams on that day. It's it, not like they're putting in Dick for real three hour gathering. It's going to be an hour and change and maybe less than an hour. How many of those minutes are dedicated to special teams? Uh, well, it's probably going to be an hour. So maybe, maybe 10, maybe, maybe if that, I mean, I, I got to be honest with people. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this because we're an Eagles show. We're an NFL show. This stuff is this stuff is meaningless, meaningless. And I'm going to pull up Aaron Rodgers' quote in the in the in the break. It is meaningless, especially for veteran players. There's no pads. They're not playing football. Even Nick Sirianni, Mister Com- Competition. Yeah, I was looking up a quote from last year. He said, "You know, the advantage is nominal." When he was talking about, it. he used the term nominal. it's, you know, Jason Kelsey, when he was talking about uh, Thursday night football, you know, for veteran players, I mean, this is a complete, complete waste of time, complete other than the intangible aspects of it. And by that, I mean, Fletcher Cox was in uh, yesterday. um, And I think that's a big deal because Fletcher comes in and out. He usually, as he describes, pops his head in. Uh, because he's big on being a professional. I think that's a big part of his job this year because of Jalen Carter. He wants the Eagles want him to teach Jalen Carter how to be a professional. Uh, Fletcher usually works out on his own back in his home. Um, and, 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 you know, that's fine. You see it all over the league, the voluntary aspect. If you're an entrenched player, it's not, it is voluntary. If you're not an entrenched player, it is anything but voluntary. However, as far as the football uh, advantage and as far as um, the Eagles have already signaled, they've screamed it from the top of the mountain by their actions. This stuff is meaningless. The more important aspect is the classroom stuff. We never get to see and we're never going to get to see it. And getting those young players up to speed. The on-field stuff, man. There, there was, I don't know if you saw it, Jody, that that sort of went a little bit viral. Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trash down in Tampa overthrowing receivers left and right. And I I've had this discussion with people like the Eagles. That's why they're they hate um showing the media anything mm-hmm. in the offseason. Because that kind of stuff gets overblown. Um, you know, think about it from a baseball perspective. You know, spring training in the old days. Well, you know, you're a starting pitcher. You might want to work on your curveball and you just get blistered in spring training. Um, because you're working on something. You don't have to win. You're not trying to win. Um, you're just – and the same thing happens in the NFL. But people blow it out of proportion – or some blow it out of proportion, some don't. Um, but, you know, it's a different era, too. The Eagles should understand, hey, deal with it. You know, that's that's part of it. Uh, that's part of the modern environment because everything's on social media 10 seconds after it happens. Um, but, yeah, from a football standpoint, I wish I, I, I wish I could lie to people. It is meaningless. It is meaningless. Well, but that that's your opinion. You don't know that. And Eagle fans could actually say, 
You know, that's why the reason the Eagles actually got something for Jalen Rager, John McMullen, that unbelievable Houdini-like one-handed catch that he made in preseason may that's have actually moved camp. the Minnesota that Vikings training camp. to give up that draft say, pick for him. I didn't say training camp is meaningless. Training camp is very important. That was training camp. That is very important. I'm saying off-season, OTAs, no contact, no nothing. You're in there for three days. That's meaningless. Training camp is very, very meaningful. Apples and oranges. Okay. This week, meaningless. Uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and certainly training camp is more important than, than OTAs. Uh, but it's all... It's all before the season actually gets underway and it's plays being made against nobody in particular. But if it becomes viral, it, it grabs attention and you never know if it's grabbing the attention of another team out there who's watching it. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. I spy with my little eye in our waiting room. Mike Gill, our pal from down the shore. Gill's coming up next here on Birds 365. Go, 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 go. Go to Ocean for our fifth birthday. Go for the parties and the payouts. Go for the dining and the unwinding. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the win. Go, 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 shawty. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most 
Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Magamac with your third 365 as we get that much closer to another Eagles season. Actually had organized team activities yesterday, and they will open it up to John McMullen at all tomorrow for their first glimpse at the Eagles and what they're actually getting done. Yeah, we can actually talk about Mike Gill. Can we talk about football? Are you ready to talk about some football? Can we actually close our eyes and see the Eagles prepping for 2023? Yeah, man, I'm ready to go. I mean, we just had Memorial Day at the beach, and I'm ready for all these people to get the heck out of here and start football. Yeah, man. Uh, you know what it's like? like you know I what it's like the to live. More important part is to get those people out of there. Mike. You, you know what it's like to live down here, man? It is not fun in the summertime. You wow. would think it's like, hey, there's a lot of people. It's not fun at all. There is no. You're used to quality. the other uh, nine months of the year when you're yeah. by yourself. Love it. So you Love become it. A, a hermit. And then, oh, the shoot, I got yeah. to deal with other human beings. This stinks. There's a difference between dealing with other human beings and dealing with that amount of human beings who just have no regard for the fact that people live here the full time in the year. I mean, there's articles today I'm reading. The beaches are having to close early because Ocean City, man. Ocean City. Supposed to be the family fun place. They got to shut things down because of uh, they've all they've the dubbed you know in Margate they've dubbed the Wawa Club Wa because at the end of the night the amount of trash that is around that place when the when the night is over yeah. is just out outrageous the amount of that garbage that yeah. just accumulates outside that because you the won't amount see kids. me until September, Mike, down there. I am an off season guy. That's the only time I even go near the beach. You guys asked last week. It was Memorial Day weekend, and I went to Nashville. To get the heck out of right. here. Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 well. Most importantly, you just got a plain T-shirt on there. What are you? No, you I'm rocking today? the. Uh, I do play by play for BFA Sports. I'm rocking their BFA this morning. All right. All BFA. Right. I know everybody always likes. I do a lot of play by play for those guys uh, down in the shore area. What is BFA? That's the name of their uh, – it's Brother from Another. Two guys started it, and I'd call all the games – well, as many as I can. I, I was supposed to do a baseball game last night, but I was not available. All right. Brother BFA Sports. I, I, I kind of like that. That's uh, That w- would work for me. Yeah. All right, uh, Mike Gill, I, I don't think we talked about this with you last week. If we did, apologize if we're going back down uh, a road already paved. Um DeAndre Hopkins uh, saw a uh, missive this morning that, hey, he's actually got an agent. It's actually the same agent as Devonta Smith and Clutch Sports is the overall agency, which is Jalen Hurts. And they're at a good place with Clutch Sports right now with the Philadelphia Eagles because they got the Jalen Hurts thing done. Yesterday, I asked Johnny Mack, give me the percentage chance Eagles side DeAndre Hopkins. He went two. I went three. Where is Mike Gill going on the percentage chance DeAndre Hopkins becomes an Eagle? Yeah, at pretty low, 10, 
Uh, is that being high? I mean, I it's saw John. That's higher for me. Your number, your yeah. number. Give yeah. us your number. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw John tweet right away. I hate to say it, but no. Hashtag no. <laughs> um, it's yeah. it's it sounds great in theory, but realistically, where is he playing? I mean, who's moving into the slot? I mean, who's complaining about not getting the ball enough? Sometimes you do have too many guys and you just can't fit them all into the offense. I mean, which of the three, Brown, Smith, or Hopkins, would be a slot guy? Is there another configuration you can come up with to not have one in the slot? I mean, how would you even get all three of these guys enough touches and manufacture an offense around three guys of that caliber? I by the way, you have Dallas Goddard as well. Uh, and Dallas Goddard, right. You, you uh, throw him into the mix. Sounds great in theory. We all love the big names, but I would have to agree that I just don't see how where that fit. Now, where is Hopkins in his career? Is he on the downside? Is he sloping to where he says, you know what? I'm ready to take the smaller role. I don't know that he's, you know, like Julio Jones went from Julio Jones to well, Julio Jones pretty quickly. I mean, but... I don't know that DeAndre Hopkins has made that dive yet. Yeah, it was interesting. Albert Breer had some executive who said he can't run anymore. Um, but, you know, from me, it's it's a perspective of um, either way, you don't want him. Right? If he is done and he can't run anymore, you don't want him. Right. And if he's DeAndre Hopkins – He's going to want the football. He's used to getting 100 catches when he's healthy. Um, that's a problem. I, I don't, I, you know, it's a fantasy football mindset. Get him on your fantasy team. Add him to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. But in real life, guys want the football. And there's I will only- say this. If you look at the Eagles and if Brown or Smith were to get hurt, they really yeah. don't have a great option to replace him. But you're not bringing in DeAndre Hopkins to be the third, you know, the, the guy no. that's just waiting for someone to get hurt. No, exactly. You can't just pay somebody $10 million, and that's a bargain from what I think Hopkins will ultimately get, to say, hey, go sit behind the glass in case of emergency. The guy's got an ego. The guy's a receiver. The guy's a five-time All-Pro. Is it really that hard for many people to understand he's not going to be happy being an insurance policy? I I don't understand why these things take off the way they do. Is it just me? Well, I think there's a mix of Roseman making all the calls always (laughs) or – Teams saying through their agent, that's a team that I want to go play for. That's the price of success sometimes is that team's always good. They're always a well-run organization. And I want to play in a well – it wasn't that one of his things that he said. I want to go to a place that has a good front office. Yeah, I've yeah. gone through X. So those are the, the the you know, what happens when you have a well-run organization and that you're a good team is that when players get to this stage of their career – and they get released, and they have a name, as you come up with hashtag no, they're always going to be connected here because Howie Rosen makes the calls. It's a well-run organization. They always win. 
I'm at the end of my career. I want to go to that spot. So that's why it ends up happening. And we know people get excited by names that they're familiar with. I will revert to what I've been saying before Donde Hopkins was ever released. And there's another one that I got right. I, I knew that James Bradbury was going to be released by the Giants. So I started talking about, hey, be a fit with the Eagles before he ever was an ex-Giant. Well, I knew DeAndre Hopkins was going to either be traded for next to nothing, more likely released because his contract was big enough that I didn't know that there were going to be any teams that were going to uh, want to acquire him. And apparently the Bills <clears throat> and the Chiefs were the only ones who even made an offer, which means it was minimal as hell, uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. And they decided to go the other route and uh, release him at a time. Which, oh, by the way, John and I were just talking about this in our first segment. The Cardinals released him before Jan June 1st. They could have waited till June 1st to spread the cap hit out over two years. No, they said, well, go ahead and do it now. And we'll take the whole, whole cap hit this year. In other words, good, good luck tanking this year, Cardinal fans. Sorry to say. Uh, but one outlet, and again, give it what uh, do you think it's uh, due. The Raiders might have interest in DeAndre Hopkins. Raiders. Raiders got uh, Devontae Adams wanting his way out the door, but they're going to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, there's one reason and one reason only that that team is being mentioned now. They would be potentially willing to spend what he wants to make as far as the salary goes. He's uh, tied to all these quarterbacks, including Jalen Hurts. Who's he tying <laughs> himself to in uh, Vegas? We don't even know who the hell their quarterback is. Why do you well, think Garoppolo, Vegas is right? coming up? Well, he, you know, he's got the foot injury. Um, he might never play a game Garoppolo for Las might Vegas. never, ever take a True. snap for the Raiders. Yeah. True, um, but it also, I guess, maybe they did get their backup, by the way. Do we know? Aiden O'Connell, oh, uh, Rick Saratello's uh, favorite college but quarterback. The, do they have a veteran? Do they have a third guy in the mix? Oh, yeah, uh, that, that, that tremendous – Brian Hoyer. Went oh, yeah, out, Brian Hoyer. Look to the Raiders. Yeah. If he's an ex-Patriot, he's got a chance to get a job there. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless they know, hey, we had a significant amount of interest in DeAndre Hopkins, uh, uh, in Devontae Adams, maybe you bring Hopkins in and then reignite those phone calls for Devontae Adams and say, hey, now that we have Hopkins, we don't need Adams. We can, you know, add some picks to our coffers here and stuff. Maybe that's a, an angle of why they would be interested in him. But you get to this point of the season where, you know, there's a lull and you have a player of this magnitude out there. It really adds to, you know, all this. Most of these teams, you know, most of these teams have a budget and now they have kind of filled that budget and now they're just kind of in low budget mode. A lot of teams don't have the, the cap capacity to figure out how to bring in a player of this magnitude. So he's either have to kind of accept something less where teams are going to have to get really creative because most of the teams are already at their spending limit for what they thought they were going to do for uh, the offseason. Yeah, they might add a little piece here and there, um, but to bring in a guy of that magnitude, you're going to have to find the exact right team, and that's going to be a challenge for him and his agent, I would imagine. They're going to have to do be creative in putting this deal together. Yeah, and, you know, if, if the league comes together as a whole and Albert Breer's report is correct and there's a lot of teams that uh, think he can't run anymore, who knows? Maybe it's a different well, conversation. And what I say, John, you know, he could be the Julio. Julio Jones was one of the greatest receivers we ever saw. Oh, yeah. 
until he wasn't. You know, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, he hasn't been an excelling player because of injury, really, the last, what, two or three seasons. Yeah. He hasn't been the guy that we saw early in his career in, in Houston with the Texans. So maybe he's at that point where he just hit that slope. By the way, and I think Cleveland, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins mm -hmm. uh, reunion, yeah. I think that might be likely. So I was a little harsh, Mike, with the OTAs. Eagles started. We'll get to look at them a little bit tomorrow, uh, the reporters. Look, here's how I take it. Um, you are allowed uh, 10 OTAs, um, three days of mandatory minicamp under the CBA. That's 13 off-season practices. The Eagles will have six when it's all said and done. Six of what they're allowed. And most coaches think that's not enough. 13. Forget about six. I'm to the point, and I said to Jody, and, you know, people don't want to believe it, but the Eagles, by their own actions, tell you this stuff does not matter. This stuff does not matter. The on-field stuff, especially for the veterans. Now, I think the classroom work that we never get to see is very important for the younger players and very important for the Eagles. But the on-field stuff, by their actions, say it's virtually meaningless. Am I being too harsh with that? No, and I would ask this question. The Eagles have a very veteran-laden team with a lot of new faces on the defensive side of the ball that are younger. But the and team coaches, by the way, new coaches as well. Yeah, the team is. I would wonder if the Eagles wouldn't would have gone down this route if they had a bunch of just young kids, young team that was kind of like in transition. Would they want more field time? Would they want more? <clears throat> they know a lot of these guys. I'm not going to ask Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. I'm not going to ask them to come out in, in the middle of uh, May or the end of May and June. I don't need to see those guys. And by proxy then, if I don't make those guys come out, I can't ask the rest of the guys to, to kind of be out here. So we just kind of, you know. But if they had a team that was filled with more youth and less experience, would they go down that route? I don't know. But I think you're right, John. What did Jason Kelsey say the other night? You know, people who don't like Thursday night football yeah. are just trying to make headlines. Well, yeah. They're saying, I like it because we don't have to practice. So they're saying to get ready for an actual NFL game, we don't need any field time. They're doing a lot of this stuff now in the classroom to prepare for a game. And I guess it's now filtering into this offseason period where they're saying, we really don't need to be out there as much. We're going in the classroom and you know, doing it on the whiteboard. Yeah. Mm, here's where the one place I disagree with you, Mike. If they wanted to, they they could have used the mandatory minicamp and just had it as a time. They got 90 guys. So the numbers aren't a problem if they really thought the youngsters needed more work and they just didn't want to put out the veterans for doing Do it all the time. They do it in camp. They do it during the season. John, uh, how many times have you not even needed the list for those who won't be participating in uh, practice. Yeah, 14. They're on the injured list, 15, there's yeah. rest. Uh, yeah, that, that tremendous load injury management, rest. Yeah. They do it NBA all the time, so you can do it uh, here before the season gets underway as well. Yeah, fair point. I always say this about the OTAs. 
I don't know what they take from him other than, hey, I don't know much about this guy, but if he stands out in May, I may want to keep a closer eye on him in August. And that's about the extent of it. Like, hey, I didn't know much about, I don't know, insert name of player that you don't know much about, but he kind of impressed me back at the OTAs. I'm going to have to keep a closer eye on him when he gets the pads on because he did have, you know, some quickness and he showed some fluidity. But that, to me, is about what the extent of these things kind of what, – what these coaches probably get out of them is there may be a guy that flashes that I want to see more of when it gets to closer to, to you know, to training camp. By the way, you, you mentioned Kelsey. I, I pulled up before you came on. I was talking about Aaron Rodgers, who famously rarely goes to OTAs. It became an issue uh, last year in Green Bay. Uh, the Athletic had a hold of him, so they did a good job with that. I he, he said, I won MVP without doing off-season workouts. Like, was my commitment any less than? I'd say not at all. The way that I come back to work, not just physically in good shape, but mentally refreshed is the best thing for me. And then he goes on, well, you know what off-season workouts are really about? It's completely ridiculous. You mentioned the Jason Kelsey part. I went back to Nick Sirianni, and I conflated Aaron Rodgers. So I want to get that right. Aaron Rodgers is the one who called it very nominal. Uh, any improvement you can have in the offseason. The OTAs, not training camp, completely different. Uh, even Nick Sirianni, Mr. Competitive, last year said, I think at some point the on-field stuff is what he's talking about. I think at some point it becomes a little stale. You know, that's even Nick Sirianni. Uh, uh, now, the issue is Jody kind of brought up before two new coordinators, bunch of young players. Remember, last year it was Javon Hargrave, veteran player. T.J. Edwards, veteran player. Kaiser White, new system, but veteran player. Uh, Marcus Epps, smart veteran. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson came in late, but a veteran player. This year, you got to count on a lot of young players, uh, either rookies like Jalen Carter or second-year players who didn't even play last year, like N'Kobe Dean and Cam Jurgens, Reed Blankenship sort of in between that. He played a little bit. Um, I think it's meaningless for players like Kelsey and Rodgers. Right. Completely meaningless. But yeah. not everybody's Kelsey and Rodgers. No, that, you're, you're talking a real small percentage of the National yeah. Football League. Right. You have 89 guys there to vote, John. There's only a handful of Fletcher Cox. Yeah, and I think that's part of their blind spot. But with, no, everybody, with everything, like if Aaron Rodgers said, I don't need this, it's a mental break for me, and then on the other report, and this hasn't been reported to my knowledge, I'm just saying, what if Tom Brady says, no, I love being out there just because I love being around my guys, it's good team yeah, building. tangible stuff, I so agree for with. Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't work, and for Tom Brady, it does. Every individual person has to find their niche of whether or not they think this benefits them or not. Uh, Rodgers is a little bit more of a standoffish guy with these type of things. He's always been reported to be <laughs> like, you know, uh, that way. Some others maybe just like getting out there. You know, there's there's that element of, I just like running around and, and just kind of getting out there with the guys. Maybe a guy a little younger in his career you're a little older in your career. You're married. You got kids. Eh, I don't feel like running over to the Novacare complex for a couple hours. I just don't need to be there. 
I don't know what Jalen Hurts think. I think he's more important to hear from in this case than anybody else, right? Well, Jalen's going to show up. And right. I think, you know, I think the intangible stuff is real. Like one of the things when I saw Fletcher Cox was there, I think that's important because, you know, Jalen Carter's there. And yeah. he's part of his job this year is to teach Jalen Carter how to be a professional. I would but also of, think, uh, sorry, I would also think, if I'm Jalen Hurts and I want to win a Super Bowl, I'm trying to set the tone for everybody else that if I'm here, it's important enough for everybody to be here. Maybe Aaron yeah. Rodgers would have won more Super Bowls and less MVPs Maybe. if he would have more of these things. But, and that's kind of my point. Whenever I talk about OTAs, and you just made the point for me, Mike, Jalen Hurts is showing up to so everybody else shows up. It's always intangible. It's always intangible when I talk about improvements in the offseason. It's never tangible because they don't do anything. They're out there in jerseys and there's no pads. Or, like Jody asked me, you know, what are you going to look at? I'm going to look at seven on sevens. I'm not even going to spend time looking at the offensive lineman, defense, because why would I? They're not doing anything. Running backs, I don't know. DeAndre Swift, can he break tackles? How the hell am I going to yeah, know? Gonna he's out there in the jersey. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, seven on seven, you can get some feel for the cornerbacks and how athletic the receivers and how athletic they are, things like that. Um, you know, I, I, but it's always intangible. I agree with the intangible stuff. Challenge. Well, I also like flashing you know, other people. We, we always try to conflate like, well, this team does it, so this team has to do it the same way. You know how many teams try to do it the same way as somebody else? You can't <laughs> – like this heat culture thing. Wouldn't everybody try to do the same thing and, and try to – like, no, fans want to fire the coach after one loss on Tuesday night in February. Meanwhile, Michael Malone has been in Denver for eight years. You know how many bad losses in the playoffs they've had, yet they stuck with them. The heat. I thought about, think about this. I know this, you know, we're, we're in a basketball conversation, but it relates, you know, where Eric Spolster is thought to be this great coach. He's the best coach in the league. And I'm not saying he's not. He, he just, can you imagine if the coach here went 44 and 38 in the regular season? They'd be fired. <laughs> they would have fired him 40, 37 times over the yeah. course of the season. But the yeah. Heat say, we're going to have seasons where we're not the best. We're going to have seasons where we're, we reach expectations. Don't reach expectations. And that level of stability, that's where, you know, these football teams, they're trying to build a culture and a level of stability to the way they do it. And you can't emulate what the Patriots did for, for 20 years. You can't emulate what the Eagles do here. You can't emulate what the Chiefs do there. Everybody does it their own way. All right, so then let's talk expectations, Mike Gill, because, yeah, I'm dealing with it. People were bad-mouthing Bryce Harper. They're questioning his contract last night. He can't even play. Well, first of all, the manager decided not to play. It wasn't Bryce Harper. And he's off to a bit of a slow start. He's not hitting home runs. He's not driving in runs. But he's Bryce Harper, so come on. But people set those expectations, and then they react to them immediately. What do we do if the Eagles start 4-2? and two? They got a really, at least my estimation, easy first part of the schedule, followed by a gauntlet of six straight tough games. They set the expectations last year. 8-0, no, 9 Did they win their ninth? Did, did they lose their ninth game, or were they 9-0 and last year, Johnny Mac? 
Off the top um, of your head. They were, they were at least eight, one, I believe. Uh, they yeah. lost to Washington. I forget what week. That, that was, was their ninth game. So yeah. they were eight. No. So if they're four and two after going eight, no, after going to the Super Bowl, after being tied with 10 seconds to go in the last game of the season, how many people will be calling for Nick Sirianni's scalp? If well, this team is four and I, two as right much now. as you made me laugh when you said four and two, I thought you were going to tell me like, oh, they're like, uh, you know, one and five. <laughs> you said four and two. Four I was and like, two. oh, four and yeah, two. Expectations. If they go four and two, I can tell you what I'm going to hear on the radio, Mike. Man, there ain't no last year. It seems to look like it's going back to Super Bowl. Wait till they start playing real teams. I know that against the slop that they had on the schedule this yeah. time year. You don't no. think that conversation's being had? Oh no, I said I laughed when you said four and two. That said, I agree with you. People will get will, will become irrational quickly. Uh, but I, I don't understand how fans' mindset is, and and I love the fans. We live off the fans. They're great. I just don't get the mindset of. If you watch sports, do you not see what's happening? You have a Miami Heat team that was 44 and 38. They're in the finals. The Phillies were in the World Series last year. Nobody cared about them all season long. Nobody thought they were any good. Then they got to the playoffs and they went to the World Series. These regular seasons, like people take these wins and losses. Well, we can't beat the Cavaliers on Tuesday night. Nobody gives a shit. The teams don't give a shit. They don't care. I know we've all grown up to where winning is the most important and winning is all that matters. No, the Sixers said it doesn't matter. And then other teams followed them and said, nah, we'll throw away seasons. These teams don't care about winning and losing until they get to the playoffs. So whatever happens in any regular season anymore is essentially irrelevant. And it's sad to say football more irrelevant than everybody else. But if the Eagles are four and two, didn't the nine and seven Giants win a Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Um, I go well, football's a little bit different because there's you know, as you yeah. mentioned, oh, I said football, yeah, football less than the others. I mean, yeah. you have to, at least, you know, yeah. you can't, yeah, 17 games now. Jody brings up porn too, and I, I agree with him. There, there will be a lot of people wringing their hands, but I'll tell you what, if they go into that week six, which I believe is the Jets, um, and they lose that game and they're three and three, then. People are calling for Nick Sirianni's head um, at three and three. And I, I don't think it's going to happen because it is the easiest part of the schedule. Um, but, uh, you know, they have a lot of change that I keep bringing up. And everybody just, you know, one of the things that amazes me, it ha- oh, you lose your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Oh, who cares? Uh, it, that, that, what, Philadelphia went through this with Doug Peterson to a lesser extent because they only lost the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. Here you're losing both coordinators. I get nobody likes one of them, but it is what it is. Top well, five, and by top the way, John, just to, inter- just to interject, Andy Reid, when he started to get his coordinators plucked left and right here, is when the team went from a four-time NFC uh, championship game appearance they started to uh, sprinkle down a little bit because teams just kept taking coordinator here, coordinator there, coach here. I mean, how many different coaches from the Andy Reid tree kept getting plucked? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is really difficult. And all of a sudden, I always compare it to like a Xerox copy, right? The second one, not quite as clear as the first one. Um, and 
you know, one of the things that I think was key to the improvement from year one, Nick Sirianni to year two, Nick Sirianni and the team as a whole, they kept the whole coaching staff. That rarely happens. They kept the whole coaching staff. Now it's not only Steichen, it's not only Gannon. You also lost to Nard Wilson. Um, and they, you know, had an opportunity to keep him. They went in a different direction. They also lost Nick Rollis. It's even more than just those two. It's pretty significant attrition on the coaching staff, especially the defensive side. Everybody's excited about Sean Desai. Are they excited about DJ Elliott? Are they excited about DK McDonald? I don't know. DK McDonald was already here. He was the assistant to Denard Wilson, presumably for a reason. You know, maybe in a couple years, he develops into a great position coach. I don't know. I think everybody is sort of glossing over the attrition on the coaching staff. Agree or disagree? Definitely think it's fair based on the history that we've seen with this particular organization. You don't even have to go to other organizations. You can go here and see what has happened when the staff began to get poached. I mean, there's no the Andy Reid thing is is definite. I mean, they were the best team. They had a coaching staff that was together. And then when the Eagles started to have success, they started to take guys off their staff. I mean, one by one. And Andy, you know, any any level of coaching, you know, I coach youth baseball. I've had the same staff of guys for like four years. You take one of those guys off, you know, and it's like maybe you don't have as much fun at practice or maybe you don't have as good a time traveling to the game. I mean, it's just like, yeah, that guy, I miss hanging out with that guy for a couple of hours each night. Like, you know, the camaraderie that those coaches have. You laugh about it all the time, John. These guys, like a badge of honor that they sleep in their offices. You know, I think a lot of times these particular guys like being around each other. They like the challenge of building a team and, and putting all the pieces together. If you have a guy that you're just that doesn't mesh with the rest of the group, it makes it a more challenging, um, you know, pu- puzzle to put together. MG, last one for me. Um, we touched on this yesterday on the show with one of our guests, and I noted that uh, Ruben Frank in his observations this week said Jalen Carter might be the most hyped. Eagles draft pick since Donovan McNabb. You have to go all the way back to McNabb. Wentz was a quarterback taken high, but he started the year as the third stringer, so there wasn't as much hype. And Jalen Carter is going to be a key to the Eagles, not only this year, but for years to come. If he's that hyped, and guys like John McMullen at all, uh, Eagle beat guys are going to want a chance to talk to him. The national guys are going to be coming in and want to talk to him as well because the most talented play in the draft dropping to number nine. It's going to be a lot of tension on the young man. It was a lot of attention. I'm in Georgia going into the year where people were speculating. He's the number one draft pick uh, in this upcoming draft. And we know he kind of came off the rails last year at Georgia after the season was over and done with how much fear should Eagle fans have of the spotlight. That's going to be on Jalen Carter and how he's going to react to it. It's a fair question based on his background of, you know, dropping and, and some of the issues that he's gotten into. You would hope, though, again, I think we brought this up a couple of weeks ago, is the last time I remember an Eagle player getting off the field trouble of major significance was like Josh Huff driving. And I think we brought up the, uh, the Nelson Aguilar at the strip club uh, after an OTA or something to that effect. 
Um, yeah, I Darryl mean, all these Worley, guys, uh, Darryl Worley got arrested, but he, people forget because he got released as soon as he got arrested. So, yeah, that was a big, um, I definitely, I definitely have to keep, you know, think about it, but you have to also trust that the organization has done a good job of handling these type of things and keeping these guys out of trouble. Um, but yeah, sure. If, as if his, if he's already on the bus, was not that back when they actually had like mandatory mini camps and less, uh, more than half of the workouts they could get in that they actually said, yeah, let's get a team practice together. There's less observation of players this year with the Eagles than there have been in years gone by. By the way, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Jody. That to me is the most important part of the off season. And that's why I personally would take advantage of all 10 OTAs and mandatory minicamp. The structure, the structure for young people. Oh, I Um, think that's a big thing is to, you know, you talk about this with guys who go from college to the pros, the transition of when you're done practice in college, you go home and play Fortnite. Here, guys are going home to their families, and the younger players are left sometimes looking for what what am I supposed to do with the rest of my day now? Before I had all these guys, you know, I'm sure there's other guys, but you don't know these guys yet. You're incorporating yourself into a new routine that has now become your job. And that is where, like, in all these professional sports, people say, and I'm a big proponent of not letting the kids leave early to go to school. And part of that reason is to, to go to the pro. Many of them are talented enough to play, but they're not ready to be a professional. They're not ready to say, I love this so much that I want it to be my job where this is all I can do. But to get into that routine, if you could start them now to say, this is the way your life is about to become, I think that's invaluable to keep these guys from getting in trouble. Well, I could always hop on TikTok and learn how to steal a Hyundai Sonata. I was in I was in Nashville the other day and into a parking garage and it said you if you have a 2020 to 2022 Kia Telluride or Hyundai whatever you are not allowed to park in this parking garage. Wow. Wow. That that is unbelievable. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yep. And there's I a story. This, yeah, I'm telling you, there's a sign right there that says if you have this model make of car, you cannot park in this garage because they're getting stolen. There's an article in the paper down here today about how all these high end cars are getting stolen from Longport. Mm. Not my high end car, but others. Right. <laughs> you you got to keep that high end car in, in the garage, Mike. Uh, but yeah, you know, people people steal people stealing cars left and right. It's crazy. Man, I, I would think that you put up a sign. We suggest against you parking here, not you cannot park here. You Turn cannot it park business. your car. You cannot park the car. You know they mean business when they do that. We always get the business done when Mike Gill joins. MG, thank you much. We will talk to you again next week. Go out and play with the masses. Have some fun. There's no, so man. many people no. down there to shelter, see my Shelter in place. Be shelter a guy. Place, Get man. out there. Rub the elbows. No. Have some fun. Mike is he's a not, community guy, and even not, he listen, wants no. to shelter he's in gonna, place. He's going to – although he's got – you got some color. I got to give you that. You did get out. 
uh, I think this week you'll be hiding from rooftop bars, baby. I was bouncing from rooftop Tootsie's and Nudie's and uh, Robert's Place and Jason Aldean. I don't even know who some of these people are, but Jason Aldean, baby. Yeah. He has his own bar down there. Okay, have a good time. Uh, Mike Gill here with Umbridge 365. We'll talk to him again next week. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. We still got an hour to play on Birds 365. Don't even think about dialing out. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. This is Verse 365. Back, back. I'm um, We've got uh, Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly to jump in with us in less than 20 minutes from now. Um, Johnny Mack, were you covering the birds in 2013 or were you still in Minnesota at that time? I was not. Uh, 2015. 2015 is when you came back. So uh, you, you were not uh, on the beat when the Eagles uh, under Chip Kelly had Coach Bill McGovern on the staff, linebacker coach who Chip had become friendly with uh, where they were playing college football and uh, Massachusetts slash New Hampshire and New England at the same time. I guess they uh, competed against each other, passed course up there because uh, he was hired as Eagles linebacker coach in 2013 and reunited with Chip Kelly uh, this past year at UCLA. And he passed away yesterday at the age of 60. That's that's young. With uh, yeah, we we have to deal with this as as sports guys. Anybody who works uh, in the media for whatever way, shape, or form, you lose people. And uh, we're seeing guys who uh, pass away at the age of late 80s and 90s and the like. And I always say, hey, they live a pretty good life. If you make it to the 80s or 90s, you did well for yourself. 60 is young. Uh, when when I have to report the passing of a an individual who's younger than yours, truly, yeah, that makes you pause. And I didn't know Bill McGovern. I knew of Bill McGovern as a linebacker coach. And I went on afterwards, had never coached in the NFL before Kelly gave him a job in 2013. Went to the Giants after that. Went to the Bears, was on Sean Desai's staff in uh, Chicago. And last year, he uh, reunited with Chip Kelly and Mid-season at UCLA, he uh, was uh, decided to step back from his position to take a uh, kind of a overseer type role because the cancer was kicking in. Um, we send our uh, condolences out to Bill McGovern's family and any of his friends and any of the people who work with him. He was in Phil when he was in Philadelphia. 60 young Johnny Mac for someone to yeah way yeah. too young and I I was just looking because I saw it come across uh yesterday yesterday and uh I saw UCLA confirmed it um you know he he started his coaching career he's a New Jersey guy started at Penn um way back in the 80s so um yeah it's always disappointing I saw Jeff Stoutland um, tweeted out a photo of the two of them together. Um, 
It's always sad. It's always sad. And he was here in 2015. And, um, but by that point, I, I really didn't start covering the Eagles till 2016 on a, on a daily basis. So I just missed him. Um, but everybody spoke so highly of him, continues to speak highly of him. Um, and that's a fraternity coaches. And, and that's why I brought up stout, um, you know, tweeting out a photo. Um, it's always sad. And, you know, Mike brought up a good point about when we were talking about the coaching staff and just how close, you know, Nick is with Shane Steichen and, and Kevin Petulo and, and those guys. And it becomes a, a camaraderie thing. Um, and, and sometimes when you lose it with somebody, it's tough to get it back with somebody else. So I thought that was a good point by, by Mike, but yeah, really sad news, especially that young. And different coaches have different staffs have different relationships. Some are more business like some are more friendly. And when you lose two guys who are uh, pretty high up there on the charts, uh, yet something that you have to deal with that the Eagles are going to deal with kind of on the fly because they're not doing as much offseason work as some other teams. Uh, let me ask you about the linebackers on this team this year, uh, MacMan. We know that they're, as of right now, a little, little light on the depth on the linebacker side, and they're putting some significant chips in on N'Kobe Dean. I think they'll cash those chips because I'm not big a fan of the player, but he played all of 35 snaps last year. They've got a new linebacker coach, too. We're talking about continuity of the staff. Nick Rallis was uh, Jonathan Gannon's handpicked choice to join him out there in Arizona as his defensive coordinator. How do you feel about the Eagles getting a less than up to snuff group ready with a new positional coach at linebacker as well. Yeah, I keep waiting. I keep waiting for that. And there's plenty of time. And we, we learned from last season with CJ Gardner Johnson on the eve of the regular season. Um, it can go deep into the process, but I expect them to add something at linebacker. I do. Um, you know, I think they they have their fingers crossed with, with Christian Ellis, and I think they see some upside there, um, and I have no problem with that. Um, but, you know, how he himself has used that term, hope is not a strategy. Um, and right now you look at N'Kobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow as the starters, Christian Ellis, Sean Bradley as the top backups. If you want to throw Davion Taylor in there because he has a history with that new linebackers coach, DJ Elliott, um, maybe. But, yeah, you know, we always joke about Peter King when he came out with his power rankings, can't find a weakness. He didn't look at the linebackers. Mm. He didn't look at the mm. linebackers. And that's not an – I'm with you with N'Kobe Dean. That's not an insult to N'Kobe Dean. I kind of – I'm not worried about Nicobe Dean. Now I think it's, I think there's going to be some startup cost, the term I always use, but I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but after that, oof, you know, we're back in the Eric Wilson territory. Right. And one name that you threw out, I asked you about him yesterday and you, you kind of almost laughed at me and uh, I guess I deserved that. Davion Taylor, maybe because he was a draft pick and I have been following the Eagles forever and I 
certainly the Howie Roseman era and how it seems to me every once in a while that they'll go further than you would expect them to go because of where a player was drafted. I get it with first round draft picks and I give Howie credit because he moved on from Jalen Rager as quickly as he did acknowledge the mistake, move on, correct it, go in another direction. The Eagles under Howie Roseman have, at least in my estimation, given a little bit more deference to a guy who is a draft pick and whatever round he is in, the more, the higher the round, the more deference they get. This kid has done nothing. And we knew when he was drafted, it was all about the athleticism, the tools, that he was still learning to become a linebacker. If you can't get the tools to become a football productive player on the field, who cares what the friggin' tools are? And Davion Taylor, if ever there's a, a year, if ever there's a time, if ever there's a spot for meaningful snaps to be grabbed, it's this year for Davion Taylor. You got any faith he's going to be in the mix for the Eagles linebacker play this year? Well, I do and I don't. Uh, I do if they don't make a move. I mean, why not if they don't make a move? Because you mentioned that athleticism. You know, I I do think people forget in 2021, um, when he started a little bit before he got hurt, he was starting to show some signs. He was aggressive. He, he was a hard hitter. He was physical. Obviously, he's fast. Um Seen, had two forced fumbles and in, in, had that big forced fumble in Denver uh, that Darius Slade famously uh, took to the house. Um, it, it, you know, and then he got hurt and then it was nothing. What I kind of chuckled, it was, I think you said, you know, is he guaranteed is he a to, lock make a, to make the team? No. And then I said, he was already on the practice squad last year. They cut him and they brought him back to the practice squad. So, you know, he's going to have to make this team in training camp. And could he make this team right now? Hell yeah. If they bring in a Patrick Queen or somebody of that nature, eh, probably not. Um, so right now, uh, I, I would be rooting if I were an Eagles fan. I would be rooting for Davion Taylor to show up and just outplay Nicholas Morrow because at least there's an upside there. Um, yeah, but how much how much upside is there if you go from you did a good job, almost like a PR person, of highlighting what he did in 2021, as limited as it may have been? There were a couple highlights. Well, because that's the last He's on time the he practice played. squad last year, Johnny Mac. That's a pretty big yeah. fall from grace. From hey, this guy's making plays. He could be. Eh, we can't even keep him on the fifty-three well, man roster. He's on the practice squad because, well, two reasons. One, that's the last time he played, and two. He, he was on the practice squad because the Eagles had good linebackers last year. Well, they had one really good linebacker. They had one guy who was a competent starter to the point where they couldn't get their valued rookie on the field at all in Kaiser White. Uh, and then you had N'Kobe Dean. They had linebackers last year. So it's more like if Damian Taylor is on the practice squad with this group, then you might as well cut him. If he can't make this team as it stands today, 
you might as well cut him. Um, but I mean, TJ's not here. Kaiser's not here. The only one that's here is Nicobe Dean. And Christian Ellis showed some signs on special teams. And Sean Bradley's a good special teams player. Special teams. They need a linebacker. And let me ask you about that. Because, again, reverting back to uh, Davion Taylor didn't catch my eye when he was a college player. And we Eagles took him in the third round. I said, yeah, he recognized the name. I couldn't really give you much about his game. And everybody, Rick Saratella at all, freakish athlete freakish athletically isn't that how you become a good special teams player that you're a freak yeah. at that you're a freak athlete you get downfield channel block all that stuff and yet you got the ellis's of the world jumping over him and bradley who was picked later than him being better special teams player what what is what is it that he brought to the table last year uh not nothing that's why was on the practice squad but uh Again, it's a different landscape. Uh, you remember, I'm going to give you a name because you're a big college guy. You remember Dontarius Thomas? Yeah. Um, really, uh, uh, his second round pick from Auburn. Amazing athlete. I mean, ridiculous athlete. And, you know, the Vikings drafted him when I was there. Um and I remember that this is this guy is going to be the best nickel linebacker. And he ran, you know, Davion ran like a 4.49. He ran like 4.45. I mean, he was absurd from an athletic perspective. At 240 pounds, this is back in the days when linebackers were linebackers. That's what he was running at 241 pounds or whatever. He was also a smart kid. He got like, Absurd SAT scores, huge grade point point average. Right, he's so smart. He's so athletic. Had no football instincts whatsoever, Jody. Every false step and obliterates the four four five. You know, it doesn't matter if you're going right. in the wrong. Like the Kobe Dean has these tremendous instincts that you can't teach. Um, it doesn't matter how athletic you are if you're taking false steps at linebacker. You erase that athletic advantage, and I think that's sort of what has happened with Davion Taylor. But, you know, he'll get one more chance, especially if they don't add somebody, uh, because he has to get one more chance, basically, because there's nobody else. Now, new coach, new uh, linebacker coach, clean slate. Uh, you've got Nick Sirianni as the head coach, but you got a new DC and a new positional coach for the linebackers this year does what he did two years ago when he got the chance to actually play a little bit, made a couple of plays, not many, but at least some last year, not even good enough to beat out Sean Bradley and ask to go to the practice squad. Uh, all these guys start with a clean slate with the new DC and the new linebacker coach. Um, yeah, I think the younger players and guys who aren't entrenched, obviously the veterans. Uh, well, what do you under- consider Bradley and Davion? No, they have a clean slate. Clean slate with this, um, and that's one of the positive things of new coaches, uh, to be honest, because sometimes, you know, you can write a guy off, and you know. Brandon Graham's a perfect example of this. Now, I don't want to, you know, 
Chip Chip Kelly was ready to cut him. Famous story, you know. He was written off, uh, and only because Travis Long <laughs> tore his ACL is the only reason Brandon Graham got a chance to stay and ultimately take off. Sometimes you write guys off and they shouldn't be written off. They're they're late bloomers for whatever reason. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen with, with Davion Taylor or Sean Bradley, but I think it's a good thing when you have new coaches and they will new eyeballs on a player. And, you know, NFL players are all talented, every single one of them, all talented. So, you know, can they find a switch? Who knows? Um, you better hope so. Yeah, at the linebacker position with this group, hope is running high because there are snaps available to be gotten as of right now with the Eagles uh, roster being what it is and the depth chart being what it is, which is one of the questions I want to ask about uh, when we get Dave Zangaro up here. Uh, Eagles depth chart. Johnny Max got his, Jody Max got his, uh, a lot of other outlets have theirs. The Eagles put one out once they start their off-season activities. How much thought do they actually put into it? Is there a lost leader every once in a while there on the depth chart that is re- released by the Eagles? That's uh, just one of many things we're going to talk about with Dave Zingara from NBC Sports Philly. He joins next on Birds 365. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go, 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 go. Go to Ocean for our fifth birthday. Go for the parties and the payouts. Go for the dining and the unwinding. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the win. Go, 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 Charlie. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givenish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givenish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, 
was it was not charging anything at that point when when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Mac and Mac here on Bird 365. It's good day because we got Dave Zingaro for NBC Sports Philly. I got to talk to him on the radio over the weekend that I get oh, to do wow. so again here. I'm a lucky man. Dave Z, got to go back to work this week. Got to go to the Novakek. I've got to have your uh, recorder out. Your pad. Do you use a pad? Are you I a do. pad guy? Always have it next to me, too. Got to have a pad. Got to have a pad. Right, you're a pad guy. You got to get the pad Recorder's out Recorder's notebook, too. I yeah. see that, Dave. Well done. He'll be ready. He'll be prepped. Um, what is the number one storyline for you day one? And I know it's going to change, and you got to come up with a different story basically every day. But day one, Dave Zingaro, what are you hoping to get out of uh, your first chance uh, to talk to some Eagle guys on the field after you watch them actually go through some drills? Yeah, I mean, I think watching practice will be fun. It, look, it's not like a real practice, but uh, you start to see the depth chart form a little bit. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Because like, you can't really take away – there'll be some competitive periods, but it's not <clears> really <throat> football. But someone's got to be up there with the first team, right? So yeah, um, we're we'll gonna see. get yelled at for reporting running back one. Uh, <laughs> I Dave. know, okay. uh, but it helps. It, it's good to see it for the first time. So we'll see who's at right guard. I assume it'll be Cam Jurgens. But like, will they rotate there? Will they have like who gets the first rep at running back one? Um, who are the safeties? You know, they got to have yeah. two safeties out there. Like, what what do the combinations look like? So just some of the depth chart things. As far as, like, the competition at practice, it's like, you know, it's not a real practice. But uh, mm. that's okay. We'll see some things. Now, the Eagles deserve the benefit of the, of the doubt. I mean, we saw what happened last year and, and this. But they're the, you know, one of two teams that's not having a mandatory minicamp. They are. You know, you're allowed to have 10 OTAs, Dave. So I look at it this way. You can have 10 OTAs. You can have three days of mandatory minicamp, I believe. So that's 13. They're using six. So quick math, that's less than 50% of their allotted time. What does that tell you? That that tells me they don't care about the on-field work. Is that too harsh? Uh, no, I mean, they, they, they don't, they care more. Well, they, I don't want to say they don't care about it because they use on field to like solidify the things they've done in the meeting rooms. Yeah. They use it for that. I, it's hard to argue against it. Now, is that the reason they had all 22 starters left standing in the Super Bowl? I mean, part of it probably. I, I, it's hard to like figure out the exact causation behind it, but they were healthy last year and they weren't healthy a lot of years before that. So, uh, if any, I mean, even if now Harley's mentioned a couple times there, Dave, that he's not expecting that to get there's a little bit. Of, well, yeah, um, you can't expect that. That's it, oh, injury luck is a thing. I yeah, think. it yeah. absolutely is. But um, they're probably feeling pretty emboldened that uh, they were so healthy last year, and they're certainly not going to change it yeah. after the year they had from an injury standpoint. So 
Uh, I get it. it. Like the the old school in me is like, man, you have. The, I think they're valuable days uh, on field, and you have half of them. But hard to argue with the results. All right. So if they're doing less on field work, you would hope that at least they're doing more film work and meetings work and spending time at least discussing and showing video of what they can do and can't do right. They can't really though, because it's no, all it's can. all it's like collectively the they have a limited amount of time. So it's like I, I think they're just counting on guys doing their jobs away from the building, whether that's film study, whether that's staying in shape. Like the, back in the day, like you would use OTAs, you would use <clears throat> training camp to get in shape. You better be in shape when you show up nowadays so like they're hoping that it takes some professionalism for these guys to to do it away from the building all right then let me ask you this then john just ran down the days for us 13 max is uh with mandatory midi camp added to the days of otas and the like and the eagles are using six out of the 13 those other seven days if if part of the reason and the logic is we don't want them out there we don't want them hurt and the end of the year, Dave Gonzalez correctly noted, 22 for 22 starters in the Super Bowl. That's because we didn't do as much as some other guys in preseason, other teams in life. Wouldn't you at least ask them to come in and have, like, sandwiches and hang around with each other? <laughs> maybe maybe make some bonds with each other and just say, yeah, don't bother, don't show up. Yeah, I look, I, I get the point there, but – the off-season program also began April 24th. These are the OTA days. So they have like phases to the off-season. And this is phase three. And it's as it's not that like it's not that intense, but it's as intense as these phases get in the off-season program. But um, they've been there, you know, um, not all of them is all voluntary. That's the one difference with the Eagles and the Bengals and every other team. Every other team's having a mandatory camp where yeah. you have to be there or you can be fined. The Eagles' entire spring is voluntary, and that's where uh, sometimes I roll my eyes when Nick starts going about culture and connecting and all that. But that's where it matters because if you don't have the culture to get guys there and buying in in the voluntary portion, you can't do it like this. Uh, so, but that's the thing; like they've been there since April twenty fourth. Yeah, and it's, these are just the OTA days where they're allowed on field. They're allowed to go up to eleven on eleven. It, it's not padded, and they can't hit. Uh, teams have gotten in trouble in recent years because they've done too much at these OTAs. The Eagles don't have to worry about that. <laughs> that, that, that no, they do not. It's not coming down. But <laughs> yeah. the one, the one, I always talk about the intangible things. I always mind when I talk about off-season work, Dave. I only talk about intangible things like Jalen Hurts leadership versus, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who typically doesn't show up to off-season work. I, I think it's important for a quarterback to be there. I saw Fletch showed up. He pops his head in, as he said last year. I think that's important this year more than most because, you know, they're hoping he teaches Jalen Carter how to be a professional. Um, all, all the intangible stuff. And I say, you know, and, and by the way, I, I don't think it's Nick's decision. But if I were a head coach, like I would just want it for the structure. Like if you're giving me 13 days, I'm taking 13 days just for the structure, especially for the younger players. I don't even care about Jason Kelsey and Fletch and, and Brandon Graham. This is meaningless for them. I get that part of it. 
But the structure for the younger players and the new players, I think, is important. And then you throw in a dash of two new coordinators. Doesn't that change things at least a little bit uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I think the defensive coordinator is the one because the offense isn't changing. Uh, defensively, you have all new terminology. And I think on-field time does help because it's it's taking what you've learned in the playbook and putting it on grass. And I think some guys can learn it fine in the classroom, but some guys really need to see it on field. And so I think that like that part of it can be really important. Like if you have kind of a guy who's a visual learner, he needs to see it in front of him, getting it on grass helps there. And so I see like, that's the one part where you go, okay, you're missing these days. It could hurt, but like I feel like it's almost like we're wasting our time because we know that they're yeah. going to do it this way. And it's like you mentioned the benefit of the doubt. It's hard not to give it to them based on the success they had last year. I get your point, though, with the defense, especially like I, I think that time probably would be helpful for, for at least some of the guys. All right, Dave, I'm going to paint a narrative here. And if I'm off base, I want you to call me on the carpet. OK, um, the last couple of days been talking about on the air a lot pressure. And who was under pressure in game seven of the Heat and the Celtics? And a lot of people say, oh, my God, of course the pressure's on the Heat because they're going to do something historically's never been done before, blow a 3 nothing lead. So all the pressure. No, the pressure's on the Celtics because they're supposed to win. They're the home team. They were the second seed. They were a seven-and-a-half-point choice. That kind of dictates pressure to me. There's going to be pressure on the Eagles this year because they're the preseason choice to win the NFC. I think they'll be favored in 16 of their 17 games at Kansas City might be the only game they're not going to be favored in, at least as we look at it uh, months in advance like today. How is Nick Sirianni going to handle the pressure of being a coach who's expected to go to the Super Bowl? Wasn't expected to go to the Super Bowl last year. He did, and more power to him for it. But now it's kind of expected. How is a third-year head coach going to handle that pressure? Yeah, it's a fair question. I, I will say that last year, like, they weren't expected to be as good as they were. But they also kind of didn't come out of the same area as that 2017 team. Like, really, no one expected that 2017 team. And at least, like, last year's team, you looked at it on paper in training camp and went, oh, like, this team could be very good. So I don't think they took everyone – by surprise the way mm -hmm. the 17 team did especially with the injuries like it felt like that 17 team was playing with house money by the end of the year or yeah. like, this team last year there was pressure on them late in the year because they were so healthy they had all this success and they they lived up to it there and that's a smaller sample size but i think it gives you a pretty good indication of of how they'll handle the expectations this year I think that the trickiest thing about the situation they're in isn't necessarily the pressure of being a good team. It's getting over the Super Bowl. And it's so easy to say all the right things, and they're saying all the right things, <laughs> but the the physical and emotional toll it takes to go that far into a season and lose, it's a lot. And it's like they always use these uh, metaphors, and this is a hard one to avoid. It's like climbing a mountain – you get to the top, you're almost there, and you just like fall down the hill. Now you just want to be back at the top of the mountain, but you like you have to take every step along the way, mm -hmm. and it's tedious. And I think that's the fear with this team is that um, not that they'll try to skip steps, but 
that they'll just be so focused on the end goal and not do the intermediate steps you need to, to get there. And they're saying all the right things. And I think they do have like the veteran leadership to help them do those things. But yeah, I think that's the biggest concern about this team right now. Yeah. I think the expectations and, and that, and you're right. I mean, there's a human nature aspect to it, Dave. I mean, you're right there and you get knocked off the top of that mountain and you got to go, Oh, I got to go climb this whole thing again. I think the assumption is, and by the way, I think what helps the Eagles out the most is the NFC, right? I mean, there's no clear, we all think San Francisco is going to be a really good team, but they have such uncertainty at quarterback. And then from there, it's like Dallas and I don't know who else. I think so. Let me, I, I think Dallas is closer to the top. Like, I think I would almost put Dallas in, in the, like the three teams at the top. Dallas was really good last year. Yeah. I, I have no team. reason to think they're they're they're, they'll take a step back. So I think like the Eagles, San Francisco and Dallas are the three teams in the NFC. And then after that, I think there's a drop off. Yeah. Um, but you have Mike McCarthy. So, you know, mm-hmm. and you have Dallas's history and, yeah. and, you know, being favorites, Jody was talking about being favorites in playoff games and uh, they've squandered it away in the past. Um, but I do think it's a much easier road than obviously the AFC side where it looks torturous. Um, so I think that's going to be helpful for the Eagles, but you know, Five new starters on defense. We mentioned the, the defensive coordinator. A lot of people think, a lot of Eagles fans think that's a good thing. Maybe it is a good thing. I don't know. But, you know, if you tell me two years from now, Jalen Carter's going to be better than Javon Hargrave, I'm going to agree with you. If you if you tell me two years from now that Kobe Dean's going to be better than TJ Edwards, probably going to agree with you. Um even at safety, Sidney Brown, somebody like that, maybe down the road, maybe he's an improvement, potentially. But this year, are those five replacing those five starters, that concerns me, Dave. Uh, and and this was the number two defense. And remember, that wasn't good enough. Seventy sacks wasn't good enough. All those turnovers wasn't good enough expectations on that defensive side of the ball with all those moving pieces. That's my biggest concern. Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, It's funny. Sean decides in kind of a weird spot because I think he can do a really good job this year. And that defense statistically just probably won't be as good as last year's team because of the the guys they lost. And it, I mean, are they going to get 70 sacks again? No, probably not. I'd be kind of surprised if they got 70 sacks again. So, uh, but I think like the side can be really good and that defense not be as good statistically. Uh, There are some troubles like the middle of the field, like those five guys that they lost is right down the middle of the field. And that's a concern for sure. I I think they did a decent job of replenishing a tackle by getting Jalen Carter, who is a plug and play. He might not be Javon Hargrave year one, but like he's a good player. I think he'll be a good player in the NFL Uh, linebackers concerning going into a year with really Nicobe Dean and, and Nick Morrow is, you know, that's not, that's not great. Safety. We'll see. At least they have some bodies at safety, like linebacker. They don't have bodies. I mean, they need to yeah. add that's, that's yeah. the position they need to add because you have Dean and Morrow and then, you know, it, it drops off pretty quickly there. I don't think you can really rely on any of the other guys 
to play defense. At least at safety, you have three guys you think can play a little bit, at least a certain role. You have Sidney Brown, and I think they're probably going to hope that he looks good enough in training camp to give him a big role. Reed Blankenship at least like showed us something last year. It was a small sample size, but uh, and I don't know if you can like say he played well in four and a half games. He's now a starter, and he'll be as good in an expanded role. Uh, it's kind of what we talked about with Marcus F's a year earlier. Like, yeah. how will he do in an expanded role? And then, do you sense they've yeah. uh, more three safeties this year with sort of Terrell Edmonds <laughs> or Sidney Brown could be either playing essentially glorified linebacker? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, especially when you look at the the position at linebacker and you go, well, who would I rather have on the field, one of these safeties or, or Nick Morrow? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be a quasi linebacker position. Like it'll be three safeties, maybe by position. Like when yeah. you look at, but I don't know if it'll really be three safety. Like the size done some of that. We saw in Chicago a few years ago, he did run some three safety looks, but um, I think it's possible. I also think it's going to be a little fluid. And if it's three safeties out there, it might not really be three safeties, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, they're going to be playing linebacker. Yeah. Terrell Edmonds is going to be playing linebacker. Which he did a lot of anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Dave, uh, you mentioned depth chart earlier. So you said you're going to uh, at least make sure that first play, who's the, fr- Ooh, who's the first one off the bench? I'm going to ask you to speculate on what you're going to see tomorrow. And then more importantly, what it's going to look like uh, right before the first game of the season. First left left tackle off the bench behind Jordan Mailata will be who? Um, that's a good question. By the way, Ooh. that's how Jordan answered the question. Yeah, <laughs> Dave. Dave, but yeah. by the way, Dave, Jordan knows everybody's name, as you know. He's mm-hmm. one of those guys that knows all the reporters' names, and he's just very in tune. And I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it wasn't a good sign. Zach Berman asked him who's the, the backup, and he made a joke, and he said, you're trying to get the depth chart made. But then he had trouble coming up with Brett Johnson or Roderick Johnson's name. I thought that was a bad sign, knowing yeah. Jordan. So here's the thing. I think their actual backup left tackle will not be the second string left tackle in practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they like they their backups have the ability to play different spots. Um, it could be Jack Driscoll uh, if they want to make him the swing tackle. Like last year, they had such a that's the trouble. Like last year, they had a really weird setup where Dillard was the backup left lineman and and Driscoll yeah. was the backup right lineman. That's something I don't I don't think I've ever seen. So it's a little tricky. I think like Driscoll or maybe Tyler Steen would be the backup left tackle, but I don't think either of them is going to line up at second string left tackle tomorrow. Right. How much are you going to actually put Steen over at left tackle? If you want him in the mix competing for right guard, that's a pretty good. Now you're changing sides. You're changing positions. You're talking about a rookie, Johnny's favorite phrase, startup costs. They're really going to ask him to do all that. Probably not immediately. No, um, they'll, they'll, they they might cross train him like it's not unheard of to cross train a rookie in training camp. They wanted to do it with Jurgens last year, yeah. Uh, and then Kelsey got hurt, and he was the first team center all summer, which was good and bad. It, it was good because he got those first team reps. It was bad because then he was a little bit behind on on learning guard. Right, right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, 
I think Steen could play left tackle. Uh, he, and he might be their best option as a backup left tackle, honestly. Yeah, he played left tackle, yeah. but he, his arms are too short, Dave. Uh, well, should, look, that's, that's not nothing, but you know, yeah. sometimes yeah. he gets overblown. It, it, yeah. Uh, the question is, how real do you think that right guard competition is going to be? Because if it's real, he's got to spend most, most of his time at right guard. Right. Yeah, so. I would think you'll see Jurgens line up at right guard to start, and then Steen will be the, the second string right guard. Uh, the nice thing, in a way, is that there's a natural way to get Steen reps because Kelsey's going to take veteran days in training camp, and when he takes veteran days, you're going to slide Cam Jurgens to center. Yeah, and then yeah. Steen's going to get first team right guard reps. I I think they want Jurgens to win this job. I think they'll give him every opportunity to, but I I don't think it's written in sharpie yet like i think uh if if jurgens doesn't look the part uh steen's gonna have a shot and he looks steen looks more like a prototypical guard uh, yeah he does i'm not saying you can't i i, I know that jurgens and Samalu were listed at around the same weight i'm not yeah it drives yeah. me dave i say it all the time and people get on me i say Nicobe Dean, they list Nicobe at 231. All right, he's not 231. Um, they list Cam at what 302 or something. They finally, did you notice they finally updated my lotta last year? Did they? He's they list him at 365 now. Yeah. For like the first four years of his career, they listed him at like 340. And I'm like, this guy is not he he's much bigger <laughs> than that. Yeah. And people are like, Hey, you know, they're the same size, Cam Jurgens and Isaac Samal. They are not. Please tell people, Dave. They are not. The yeah, same they're not. Size. Isaac, Isaac, lower half, uh, thick dude, and yeah. and Steen kind of has that build to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. How much are they going to miss Isaac? He he's uh, understood. Hargrave uh, got the biggest paycheck and put up the biggest stats, so he looks like the biggest loss, at least on paper. Isaac was part of that line for a long time and continuity for me counts. And I thought he was pretty damn good these last couple of years where he'd been playing right guard. Uh, we're, I don't, I'm not saying we're overlooking it, but we might not be giving it an, as much scrutiny as we deserve. Is there a chance five weeks into the season we're going, damn, why couldn't they keep Isaac Samoa? I think they're going to miss him, but this is still a really good line. And, Whoever plays right guard is going to be playing between you, Kelsey. You, you're you're begging me going down there to go down the weakest link in the chain there, uh, Dave Zengel. Be careful, one guy. The chain no, gets I'll a little take... weaker. Yeah, yeah but, but the, the how, how many are... other teams have you know four all pro potential level guys on the offensive line? I mean, you got to be able to make do with that fifth position. Yeah, yeah, and and I, that's why I think they'll be okay when you're playing between Kelsey and Lane. Like, yeah, they'll miss Isaac. He's a good player, uh, and Kelsey has been doing his job to let everyone know how much they loved Isaac. And I think there's a, like it's rare you have a right guard being as vocal as Isaac was and calling things out. You've heard him people say he's like second center out there, and it, that was true, but. I, they'll be okay. I, I really, I still think the offensive line is the best unit on this team. And I, you, I, if it's Jurgens, if it's Steen, I, I think they'll keep humming along. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be very good on the offensive line. I, I would tell you one concern is that Cam's not a guard. All right. And they say, you know what, we'll just wait another year and let's let him play center. Tyler Steen's not ready. And then all of a sudden you got to default to Jack Driscoll, which by the way, I think that'd be fine. Um, that might be their best group, to be honest, uh, right away, at least week one. But then you have some issues at backup positions if something does go wrong. Because if Jack Driscoll's a starter, he's supposed to be your sixth man. Now, this is the sign of a good team when you start worrying about things. <laughs> like, like that, that seventh offensive lineman might yeah. be over the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think that's a luxury that's nice to have a player like that. And if he's got to be a starter, eh. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's an issue. Yeah, I don't think it's very likely he's a starter, though. I think he he will be coming off the bench. And look, Sua's not awful. You, Sua is a playable player. Uh, Brett Toth is okay. Like these aren't great players. Like you don't have Andre Dillard coming off the bench anymore. But that was such a <clears> yeah. That was a weird situation. End up yeah. with a guy like that on your yeah. bench anyway. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't surprising he's on the bench. The more surprising thing is the seventh round rugby players playing left tackle at such a high level. So like that, that was a weird circumstance. And last year they were, they kind of like weirdly ended up with all this depth. And that's a great thing to have. It's, but you're not, you just can't have that every year. All right, Dave, uh, this is not a shot at you or John McMullen. I can look right in the camera and go, you guys are good at this, but there are some guys who have been on Eagle beat over the last seven, eight years, you can figure out who I'm referring to by how long they've been covering the team or what kind of players we're talking about, who would get overly excited when guys would look good in either OTAs and or the first couple of weeks in camp when they're looking good in shorts, that they're out there and it's not time in it. <laughs> getting downfield and getting separation against a defensive back. I'm talking mostly about skill players on the outside and the like. That uh, is something that I would always be reticent of. Yeah, yeah okay, he's going to be great because he looks good in shorts. Tell me about it, what he does during the season. What's the one thing that you have to guard yourself against, Dave? When you're going to watch practice tomorrow, yeah, you're going to look real good, but it's one thing to do it in shorts. It's another to do it in pads on a Sunday afternoon. Is there an aspect of the game that you go, yeah, this is not apples to apples. This is apples to oranges. Yeah, I, look, tomorrow and the, the two OTA practices we'll get to see. I don't think any anyone's going to get, like, over their skis at all. Like, oh, come on. Come on. Practice. You've been in this town for a while. Yeah. No one will do it. Yeah, like, no one how great a guy looks. And then uh, yours truly is going to have to deal with those calls on you. Oh, how good he looked. According to, you're good. John's good. <clears throat> Everybody who's on that beat is as diligent as you two are. Come on, give me something that uh, you, you, well, you won't do it, but you'll watch others potentially do it and get guys over hype. Um, I, I think some positions are just hard to read without pads on. So, like a linebacker, you know, it, until they're they're in a weird spot. Um, at least like sometimes even offensive and defensive lines, you can learn things without pads because they still have to work pass rush moves. They have to, to work with leverage linebackers. Like 
some linebackers just need to hit before mm-hmm. they show what they are. And um, yeah. I, I would, that's the one position to me where I, I take everything with a grain of salt until they put the pads on. Yeah. Um, because some where guys, Alex you know, Singleton showed up back in the day when the exactly. pads came on. You Reed Blankenship last year at safety when the pads came on. Yeah. Right? And safety is kind of an extension of yeah. linebacker, like the same yeah. type. Like, I, I think those are positions where you need to see it with pads before you really make a determination. And look, the, the, I, I kind of love the camp darling receivers. I, I, yeah, I kind of, that's what I was going to say, Dave, we don't have a six, six guy. So nobody's going to get excited. What was the kid from Rutgers? I forget his name. Remember him? It's like um, six, six. Uh, and yet Femi, <laughs> there were two of them. Yeah. Uh, and everybody would get really, my really favorite excited. camp darling was uh, Paul Turner. Yeah. Paul. Great. Uh, he was, he was my favorite. Rashid Bailey was a good one. Yeah. We have a couple, a couple options for that guy this year. Like if you're looking for Joseph like Jayden, Nata. Yeah. yeah. Ngata or Jaden Hazelwood from Arkansas. Like they have yeah. a couple undrafted receivers who might look really good in camp and people get excited about. And then they'll say, you can't, you can't cut him. He won't make it through waivers. And then they'll cut him. He'll make it through waivers and he'll be on the practice squad in the week. Uh, I, you yeah. know what I'm so, I, I'll say this and um, I'm, I'm some, it's tough to get excited as Jody pointed out, but uh, I'm somewhat excited by the depth at cornerback um, and adding uh, Calais Ringo and, and Greedy Williams to the mix who might not even make the team. And you have Eli Ricks, who was a big high profile guy in college at LSU and, you know, even Makai Gardner was a pretty high high-profile high player in college, so they have some undrafted guys. Do you think Zach McPherson to the slot could potentially be a real thing? Because they have so much depth now outside. I always thought that was his natural position. Yeah, maybe natural because he's he's under six foot, so he like he's a little undersized. I thought I thought he had the skills to play outside. I still do. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen enough of him either way to, to know. And he's looked fine when he's gotten in there. Um, you might want to do it just because he, if he can do that, then you feel better about your depth because you do have those guys, Ringo and maybe Williams outside. I'd like to see him get some reps there. I don't think it's a bad idea because your, your backup nickel last year was Josiah Scott, who I, yeah. he struggled. And, and I liked Josiah Scott. I thought he had a little something to him. I was disappointed uh, by the way he played last year. So I don't hate that idea getting McPherson um, to cross train a little bit because you feel like you are in a better, like he was the bat. He was a, the, the third outside corner last year. Uh, even if he starts the year as that in 2023, I, I think they have higher expectations for Ringo eventually. So, and it's so funny because Ringo's a fourth round pick and you have to remember that, but also he's not a, really a fourth round pick. Yeah, they they yeah. gave up a third to get him. And he yeah. was a guy we thought was a day two pick. So um, I I think you're right. I, I'd like to see McPherson get a little bit in the inside. Dave's when does the next Eagle Eye podcast drop? It'll be Thursday. We'll do one. We'll record after uh, availability. So we'll wait it out a little bit. That sounds good. Uh, tell Mr. Frank we send our regards. Dave Zingaro, NBC Sports Philly. Thank you much for coming on with us. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Johnny Mac, Jordy Mac here with Young Birds 365. You know what we got to do, put a bow on the show. So we need you to stay right here on Birds 365. Go, 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 go. Go to ocean. 
for our fifth birthday. Go for the parties and the payouts. Go for the dining and the unwinding. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the win. Go, 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 shawty. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Alright, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Coming back to put a ball on the show here on Birds 365, Mac and Mac. Uh, all right. Do you have a report time tomorrow? Have the Eagles informed you when you are allowed to come onto the premises and be ready to see the Eagles in their practice? Um, practice is at noon, so, you know, we could show up basically, uh, whenever we want in the morning, but, uh, I got to do the show with you. So I'll be over there 1130 ish, probably availability thereafter. Uh, yes. After, um, uh, not official, uh, no open locker room. So we're at the behest of the. Uh, what players they bring out. I do right. expect Nick Sirianni to speak, uh, obviously. So the head coach will be there. Um, and last year, sorry to interrupt, um, 
And it was a little bit different than if I remember the previous coaches, but you and I weren't in the show together. So um, Sirianni year one was always after practice. And then last year was more before practice for um, the preseason for camp. He did the whole before practice thing. Uh, I don't want to say all the time, but frequently last year, you expect the same again this year. Yeah, he likes to get it over with. He likes to go right in and start watching film. So it's basically just a preference. Sometimes uh, guys, um, a lot of times they want to go before to avoid injury questions. Um, good point, J-Mac. Um, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. pretty good thinking on uh, Sirianni's part. Um, but then again, the Eagles don't ever get injured because they do less. So uh, maybe it's a... Uh, that's true too. That's true too. In his his mind, he wants to get to to watch and film right away as soon as practice is over. So, nice. um, um, so he goes he goes before. I expect that to continue, but tomorrow it's after because it's not really a practice. So, as Dave said, <laughs> so he will get uh, you will get a chance to talk to Coach Sirianni and whatever Eagles they make available to you. We'll try and get that much more ready and prep for it tomorrow. I say we try this again. One of these days we're going to get it right, McMahon. We've doing, been doing it 537 times. 537. All and right. 538 is, is the magic number. I think we're going to get it perfect tomorrow. There's only one way to you for you to find out that streaming with us again tomorrow. You'll get John McMullen and Jody McDonald right back here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel in. Two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.